Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Thank you. Good morning. Great to see you. Um, I'm going to be talking on practice in the presence, as Sims just said. Put another way, being aware of God's presence or God across our day in everything. I'm not an expert, and I expect there's some of you out there who are better equipped than me. But I want to be honest and share from my heart this morning how through the ups and downs of life, through all the seasons, since I became a Christian, started to follow Jesus when I was 11, through being single, married, having four children under the age of five, full-time work, bringing up teenagers, young adults, now retired. In all these seasons, I feel it's the single most important thing in our Christian life. We eat to live physically. If we don't practice his presence daily, we will die spiritually. I still want to love God. I want to grow more. I want to hear from him more. I want to be challenged more. And the older I get, the more I need, I need to learn. The more I get that, I need to learn. I need Jesus more. It's a challenge for me as much as hopefully for you this morning. And we're going to look first of all at Psalm 139. And this will be our centre scripture for today. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And here it is, this truth. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never Get away from your presence. If I go to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You see, a real relationship with God means walking with him daily, as Adam and Eve did. It means talking with him intimately, as Moses did, with whom the Lord spoke face to face as one speaks to a friend. And it means listening attentively to his voice. Because Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them 
and they follow me. Too often we only end up talking to God about our life's issues. And at times it is essential to do this, but it is not the only form of praying to him. You see, God invited Adam and Eve to walk with him each day in the Garden of Eden. And I imagine they had times of silence, also times of wonder. Look at that zebra over there. Why did you put stripes on that, God? They chatted to God about what they'd been up to during the day. This is the great truth. God still invites us to walk daily with him, just to enjoy his presence, his company, sometimes to ask questions, but to give him the download of our day, to give him all the gossip without asking him for anything in return. And I think this little known story from the Old Testament sums up this presence of God. Now, anyone who was here in the first service is not allowed to win the box of chocolates, okay? Have you heard of Obed-Edom? Anyone like to take a guess who he was? Someone got it in the first service. Go for it. Who? No. Nope. Go on. Tell us, Yolanda. <gasps> She's done it. Thank you. Thank you, Yolanda. This story is a little known story. It's only in 2 Samuel chapter 6. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God told them to build an ark that would remind them of his presence and would give them victory in battle. Many years later, when David became king and he had his capital city, Jerusalem, he wanted the ark brought to Jerusalem so God's presence would be there. He didn't think much about the preparation and it was just slung on a dirty old cart with oxen. As it was going towards Jerusalem, the ark slipped and the oxen driver put out his hand and was struck dead. Everyone was terrified. King David did not really know what to do. So he asked, in fact, he commanded the local landowner, Obed-Edom, to take the ark to his own home whilst David decided what he was going to do. Imagine how Obed-Edom must have felt. What if it fell again? What if one of his family peeked into the spare room and touched one of the golden angels on the ark? It could cost him or anyone living in his house their lives. He had the ark there for three months. And you know what? During this time, he was blessed and all his household. So much so that King David got envious He felt he was missing out and he wanted the ark back in Jerusalem. Do you know, God's presence must have been so heavy on Obed-Edom's house for a king with every worldly blessing and rich is to want the ark in Jerusalem, to feel he was missing out. This time the ark was returned to Jerusalem with great style. 
appropriate reverence, not slang on an oxen cart, but with fanfares and great detail in the planning. The presence of God was so strong as it approached Jerusalem that David was overcome with worship and danced in his underwear. What a thing. What do you think, Sim? Maybe something for our celebration of prayer in a few weeks' time. Wait and see. That'll get you to come, won't it? Obed-Edom's few months of fame was gone, but his name pops up again as a temple porter, a temple singer, and a treasurer of the temple. I'm not saying it was the same man, but I like to think it was because I firmly believe that what God has placed in his word, the Bible, even the small details are there to teach us great truths. Why did Obadiah give up his job as a successful businessman to become a caretaker, a musician, and finally a temple treasure? I like to believe it was because he'd fallen in love with the presence of God. The ark was now in the temple in Jerusalem and having experienced the blessing of the presence of God for three months in his own home, he never again would be satisfied and he had to be right there, close to God's presence again. And if we look at Psalm 84, not written by David, it's an anonymous psalm. And I don't know, I'm not saying he did write it, but it's very much the words that he could have penned. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yet I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God, than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. It's anonymous, as I said, and I don't know if Obed-Edom did write it, but he certainly would have been singing those words with all his heart in the temple. There's two things from this story I want to bring out from God's presence. We should, one, we should enter his presence with reverence and fear. Don't treat our relationship with God as a last thought. Put it on a dirty cart and oxen, as David first did, because we will spiritually die if we do that. Do these excuses sound familiar? They might be yours, they could also be mine. I don't feel like talking to you now, God. I'm too busy. I want to watch Netflix. I'm tired and I'm angry with you. This is almighty God who made us and knows us inside out. And he is worthy of all our respect. Throughout the Bible, there are verses saying we must fear God. That doesn't mean we must be afraid of him because fear is used two ways in the Bible. If you go back to the Greek, fear means phobos and that is the root word for the English word phobia, which means a dread or terror. But it also has a second meaning. Phobos means reverence, 
respect and awe. Fear is knowing our place in God's presence. We were flawed and far from God. Now he's restored us to Jesus and offers us hope, life-giving, life-changing hope. Secondly, if we host God's presence in our home, like Obed Eden did, in our business, in our school, and in our church, we will discover his secret and find out, like it said in Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place. So how then do we practice his presence in our lives? And I'm going to share with you the three main ways I have done this through the seasons of my life. We've got, sounds like a bit like a fitness regime. I assure you it's not. Banquet, center it, or it should say switch it. I'll blame Neil for that one. And work it, okay? Bank it. I don't know if you watched a few years ago, there was a show called The Weakest Link with a host who was very frightening, who I like to channel, my inner Anne Robinson. Do I look familiar? I might too. Now, in this show, the contestants would shout out, bank it, as soon as they got a correct answer or the money would just disappear. And so practice means hard work and we need to be continually banking everything that God deposits in our lives. So that when we feel far from his presence, those truths are banked deep into our consciousness. They're banked deep down and they bubble up during the dark times. I found that learning verses, writing down thoughts from Bible readings, prophetic words over me, encouragements that people have given me, if I've written them down, they become embedded in me. And nobody, nobody can take those away. You see, forming a habit of coming to God every day at all times becomes automatic. There's a slogan, a hundred days to form a habit. If we're practicing his presence every day, it becomes automatic after 100 days or around three months. And if we're not doing it, we then start to feel disconnected and unrest inside. I want to share a personal story of how practicing his presence happens when we don't feel him. I was in the co-op about 18 months ago, waltzing down the chocolate aisle, looking at lots of chocolate, deciding not to buy any. And I felt God say, you know, life's good for you at the minute, Judith. It's steady. Everyone's happy in your life. Something is coming to see what you've banked. I felt a bit uneasy at the time, but I very conveniently forgot those words until a few minutes later, one of our boys had a large psychotic breakdown and he was sectioned in a hospital for over a month and we became his carers. I was in a mess of feelings, anger, fear, grief, not feeling his presence. 
my spirit reminded me of the words and verses I'd memorized, the truths I had learned. I didn't feel his presence, but I knew he was there because of the banked deposits I had in my life from practicing his presence. As I processed my really raw emotions in the presence of God, I was reminded that through the book of Psalms, David does exactly the same. In 142, he says, I cry, I plead, I call out, I look for. And I don't think we should be afraid to process our emotions in God's presence. Remember Psalm 139 I read at the beginning. We can't get away from his presence. It surrounds us. It's a safe place for our complaints and our uncertainties to overflow. If we don't, our complaints will overflow elsewhere. Facebook, gossip, the wrong people. Psalms teach us that the way into his presence is from we, where we really are, not from where we wish we were. I'll say it again. The way into his presence is from where we really are, not from where we wish we were. If we start from where we really are in God's presence, I need you to rescue me. That is a truthful mindset. And our spirit knows what to pray. Our mind gets in the way. Don't fight your mind with your mind. Speak out in tongues. And we heard from Sim a few weeks ago about the gift of tongues. It's essential. I used it. I still do use it. But I used it during that time when no words would come. So speaking in tongues, fighting your mind with your mouth, reciting psalms, maybe written down prayers or words and saying them out loud. I did this a lot as I walked through a very dark time and God told me it's okay not to be okay in that silence. That's what I felt. You know, as we bank things, we might be doing a running commentary. And I love Fiddler on the Roof, that musical. And that central character, Tevye, what a man. He certainly knew how to have a running commentary with God. Forgive the accent, it will be not Hebrew, it will probably be Welsh. I can understand it, he says. To God, when you punish me, when I am bad, or my wife because she talks too much, or my daughter when she wants to go off and marry a Gentile. But what God have you against my horse? Good. I'm glad you found that funny. That was what it's a great lesson of how he just spoke to God in every situation. And the second thing is center it or how I like to put it is switch it. Sometimes we need to sit, walk, lie in comfortable silence with God and not use any words. Let's look at Psalm 46, very famous, this line. He says, be still and know 
that I am God. You know, I'm going to pose a better translation for that because it's not be still, it's actually be silent. Because in the Hebrew, be still is translated as rafa or rafa, which means stop striving, Shh, shut up. It's that strong. It's a command from God. So let's sit up and shut up at times. It made me think of the space bar or the pause bar on the computer. In our minds, we often might be thinking, God is nowhere in this situation. I don't feel him. He's not talking to me. God is nowhere. But if we put a pause and press the space bar between the W and the H in God is nowhere, it reveals this truth. God is now here. If we put that pause, if we shut up, God's truth is God is now here. And I'd like us to pause now and come into his presence. He's here. So let's pause. Let's shut our eyes if you want to. And I'm going to pray this. Father God, I pause now to become more aware of your presence in the stillness of this moment. Grant me glimpses of the ordinary today, your presence in the places I go and the people I meet. In the routine things I do, teach me to perceive and receive your presence in all things. Amen. And during the day, you might not actually use those words, but it's good to do that. During the day, pray and ask him to come and be still. You see, hundreds of years ago, Augustine got the truth of what happens if we don't seek his presence. And this is what he wrote. You have made us for your, you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is unquiet until it rests in you. If we don't practice his presence by switching off and switching on to him, it causes our whole body to be off kilter. And I love reading this book. It's by Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a Christian cognitive scientist. She wrote the book, Switch on Your Brain, and she's written many amazing blogs. And she proves some science that being in God's presence can change patterns in our thinking and the way we behave. God created part of our brain called the DMN, Default Mode Network. And when we take directed rest, when we shut up, and switch into being in his presence and switch off external noise. We develop our minds and we improve our DMN, which in turn improves our brain function, mental, physical, and spiritual health. Practicing his presence is good for our whole body.
We can switch it to his presence by having short focus times during the day. And number three, work it. I did an Italian cookery course when our kids were quite small and the slogan was kiss, give it simple, stupid. And I agree in part with that little slogan, but certainly as I started cooking, some of these recipes were absolutely disgusting. And I needed to practice them to get them better. It's hard work to practice God's presence, but with great rewards. Remember, bank it. Remember that, how we bank his deposits and there's no shortcut. It's true we can all think back to times at Christian festivals, we're in church, back to different events in our lives where we've really felt the tangible presence of God. But I really like Oswald Chambers' thoughts on this. Um, he wrote the book, My Atmos for His Highest. It's a daily readings. And I tend to read that every morning. I discovered it when we were going through a very dark time in our marriage, I discovered this little book and it goes through the year and we call it quite fondly in our house, slap a day, because it is challenging, but the thoughts can go through you during the day. And this is what Oswald Chambers says. We are not made for the mountains, for sunrises or for other beautiful attractions in life. We are made for the valley and the ordinary things of life. And that is where we have to prove our stamina and strength. The challenge is, is to keep practicing his presence when we don't feel him. When we are surrounded by dirty dishes, dirty nappies, the noise of the workplace, we need to work at it. And Brother Lawrence, a few hundred years ago, wrote a little book called Practicing the Presence of God. He knew it well. He was a soldier, he then became a cook, and he repaired sandals in a monastery. He was plagued with ill health through his life, but rich and poor came to hear him talk how he practiced the presence of God in common work. And this is what he said. We must always work at how we practice God's presence because not to advance in the spiritual life is to go back. You see, I believe when we first become Christians, God holds us really tight in his hold. And gradually, as we learn and feed from him, he loosens that hold but we never fall off. He trusts us with his silence as we practice his presence. His silence can actually be his answer. It's bringing us to an even greater understanding of him. It's not a silence of despair, but it's a silence of pleasure. We must keep practicing him when all is still and all is silent. God's presence is nearer than we think. It's in our midst. It's in our heart. And he looks at us infinitely more than we imagine. He never is further than a thought away.
And I like to use, a, I have been the last few years, it's a rhythm of prayer and there are lots out there. And this is one from Val de Brennan, which is a Welsh retreat centre. And as I wake each day, it's good just to get into God's presence. Our first thoughts, to thank him, to see what's happening in the day, to see what will unfold, to get him to be in the midst of it. It has readings and it has set prayers. And also during the middle of the day, to come back to him, to say the Lord's Prayer or to read something that's written down, a psalm maybe. And also at night, before we sleep, to come and reflect on the day and thank him for being there. And also to ask for forgiveness for things that we might have done that were wrong. You might need to set a timer to do this. I know some people do. So they're reminded of doing this during the day and it becomes a habit, part of your consciousness. And I do believe you will get unrest if you're not doing it. You know, talk to God. And at times enjoy his silence, whether we're in bed, whether we're walking, in the shower, in the middle of a busy conversation, whether we do it out loud or internally, whether we use set prayers, our own words, speaking in tongues, using the Psalms. Vary it, but just do it. And to be often... To be honest, I don't always get it right. But don't beat yourself up. If you get distracted or you feel what's happened today, come back. You're no less loved by God. As it says in Psalm 139, he is there. He hasn't forgotten you. Pick it up and start over again. He just longs to be with you. And to end, I'm going to end on the words of a challenge that Jesus gives us. So can the band come up as I read these words out from Matthew 6, verse 6. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I don't believe that Jesus is just talking about a physical door here because we're not all in the position to go into a room and nip off during the day. He is talking about here when practicing his presence, we need to have a secret stillness before God. It means deliberately shutting the door on our busy lives and remembering him in the middle of it. Unless we learn to open the door of our lives completely and let God in from the first waking thought of a new day. We will be working on the wrong level throughout the day. So if we swing the door of our lives open fully and pray to God who is in the secret place, every public thing in our life will be marked with the lasting imprint of the presence of God. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.